Who doesn't love a good old-fashioned sports conspiracy theory? When a somewhat meaningless and minor event becomes a major situation. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Rough Golf Podcast, episode number 23. My name's Jake Harris. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Today, we're going to be talking about T-Gate and Cameron Smith's potential ice out. But before we get started, I'd like to ask you to please leave a rating or review for the podcast. It really, really helps out, and I'd greatly appreciate it. All right, T-Gate. If you guys are not familiar with T-Gate, basically on the week of January 25th, Patrick Reed and Rory McIlroy were playing at a golf event in Dubai. They were both out on the practice range at the same time where Patrick Reed tried to say hello to Rory McIlroy. That's it. That's the huge news, people. He said hello to Rory McIlroy. At the time, McIlroy turned away and walked off. Now, before McIlroy could walk away completely, Patrick Reed flicked a live golf for Aces team tee at McIlroy's feet. And that was the entire interaction right there. That is what spurred this creation of the T-Gate scandal and this huge national incident, international incident, because it was in Dubai, for the golf community. All right? But let's get to the background. All right? Let's, let's peel back some of the layers of this stinky golf onion, okay? Let's find out why McElroy decided to snub Patrick Reed, okay? So Patrick Reed's lawyer is suing the PGA Tour, Rory McIlroy, and a few other major golf entities. Now, this is, his, this is his lawyer, but the lawyer is personally suing them. Reed has nothing to do with this particular lawsuit, okay? So I don't know about you, but if a guy came up to me and tried to start up a chummy conversation on the driving range and his lawyer was suing me, I would probably... You know, I would probably walk away, too. I would not want any involvement with that guy whatsoever. And I'm sure McElroy decided that it was probably better just to leave before he said something that he regret, of course, because he knows he's, you know, under a microphone all the time and somebody's going to record it and pump it out there. And, you know, maybe that decision was the best decision. When I first read the article, I thought that seemed a little, seemed a little like, you know, childish, a little like second grade, you know, like you stole my lunch money and... I'm mad at you or something. I don't know. But once I, I started to get into the story and understand what was going on, I realized why McElroy was doing that. Well, it gets worse because not only is he being sued by Reed's lawyer, but Reed's lawyer had McElroy subpoenaed and served on Christmas Eve while McElroy was in the presence of his family. I mean, could you imagine? You know, you, you get a knock on the door and somebody says, are you Roy McElroy? Oh, yeah, that's me. Here, you've been served, you know. Here's your papers. You're being sued. That's terrible. I mean, obviously, the guy's Reed's lawyer. I guess, you know, what could Reed do in that situation? Maybe get a new lawyer. I still don't think that would make things better. But now that I know that, now that I know that's what happened to McElroy, I understand his behavior on the driving range. Now, for, for Reed, flicking a T at McElroy, what signal does that send? Okay, I don't, I don't really understand that. But apparently Reed said something like he knows where it comes from or some, I mean, it was some article that I read, uh, but it really didn't make any sense. Like he didn't really explain what the purpose behind sending the tea was. I think he was just trying to, you know, gauge uh, how their relationship was because apparently they were pretty friendly 
previous to the uh, Live Golf PGA Tour split. So now you have, you know, something that starts off as a minor issue, becomes a major issue, and then you want to dig through and find out what was going on. Now that we found out what's going on with McElroy being sued, obvious anger at Reed, I get it. You know, I would be angry too. Uh, you, you understand that it makes a little more sense. Does it deserve the term T-gate? I'm not, I'm, no, I don't think so. It doesn't deserve the term T-gate, okay? But, you know, golf, actually any major sport loves some sort of conspiracy theory or, or scandal because it drums up interest in the sport. Remember Deflate Gate and all that? I don't know how a lot of those theories start. I don't know if they start by the other team or, or, or something, but it does drum up press and interest in the sport and what's going on at that time. So it, it's, it is good for both uh, PGA Tour and Liv, as well as McElroy and Reed. Their names are out there. They're having articles written about them. You know, any way you look at it, it's, it's good because it gets their name out there. Now, everybody was wondering if McElroy was going to kind of like, you know, uh, respond in any way. And basically, he said, um, I didn't feel the need to acknowledge him. And if roles were reversed and I'd thrown the tee at him, I'd be expecting a lawsuit. So right there, it tells you the the heart of what Rory was feeling when he turned and walked away when Reed was trying to say hello. He's mad about the lawsuit. I mean, who wouldn't be? Okay, it's just you, how are you going to be friendly with a guy when you know his lawyer's suing you? All right, that doesn't make me want to go and sit down and have a meal with you and you know talk about old times. All right, so I think Reed might have might have needed to step back because he was probably a little bit out of line there. You you really can't, you know, pretend like everything's okay when it's obviously not. All right. Dude was served on Christmas Eve. So that's uh that's uncalled for. Why is this important, this this incident for both Live Golf and PGA Tour? Well, as I mentioned before, it it continues to um highlight the ongoing struggle between the two tours. All right. So they're they're maintaining relevance in the sports world and they're both getting free press, okay? This also shows that the recent rift between PGA Tour players and Live Golf players is still there and still present, and it's, it's not healed in any way. Uh, what I think that this does show us is how interactions are going to go uh, for the upcoming majors. You know, the Masters is, is coming in April, so um, players from both sides are going to be paired together, they're going to be practicing together. They're likely going to stay at a lot of the same hotels. They're likely going to be eating out at a lot of same places. You know, some of these te- these players are still sponsored by the same equipment guys. You know, how do you reconcile that? You know, McElroy is a team tailor-made player. Uh, Dustin Johnson is a team tailor-made player. They both play on different tours. How do you, you know, what what's happening there? So this is kind of maybe a, a precursor to what we can expect um, for those major events, you know, we're going to see how these players interact and, uh, that will set the stage for the 2023 season. And I think it's going to be a kind of a wild ride. I think that you're going to, you know, maybe see a few guys reach kind of reach across the aisle and try to make amends. But, uh, cause to some people, it doesn't really, doesn't really matter all that much, you know, but to others, if it's a big event, like some sort of mass, disloyal resignation from the PGA Tour over to Live Golf Tour. So I'm, I'm sure, you know, some feelings were hurt. Now, I think that this whole T-Gate thing is ridiculous. And, you know, both Reed and McElroy, 
just it seems like they behaved a little silly, you know. Reed for even attempting to to you know make amends, and McElroy for not just outright saying, you know, don't talk to me. I'm being sued by your lawyer. I have nothing to say to you. Something like that, okay? And and I get maybe he was he was frustrated and angry. I, I'm sure I would be in the situation, and he probably just really wanted to keep his cool and not blow up there before uh, his golf match. And I get it, okay? I get it. He just walked away. But, um, you know, I would like to see these players try to come together for the sport of golf. Put aside some of this this animosity that you have. And I'm not specifically talking about just McElroy and Reed, you know, because maybe that runs a little deep, but these other players that aren't being sued by one another's lawyers uh, that are just mad because one left and one stayed, you know, maybe remember why you guys started playing golf in the first place, okay? It wasn't because you were, you know, handed the club and told your tee time for the uh, next major golf event. It was because you, you grew up loving the game and the game is special to you. So, you know, maybe come together and uh, for the betterment of, of all golf globally, just put this thing aside and let's have a great 2023 season. That's what I want to see happen. Now, before we move into the um, situation with Cameron Smith, I wanted just to, to mention one other thing. All right. And I'm a little confused as to where all the animosity comes from for the PGA Tour players, especially, you know, these these what I would say mouthpieces for the PGA Tour against Live Golf. You know, two very outspoken people, Rory McIlroy, Tiger Woods, um, both very, very wealthy. If you look at the information that's that's out there um, about their signing deals with Nike and with TaylorMade, uh, Tiger Woods is a billionaire. Rory McIlroy, you know, 2013, $200 million deal with Nike, renewed in 2017 for another $100 million plus a $100 million deal in 2017 with TaylorMade. And again, Tiger Woods is a billionaire. So they both have tons of money. Do they need to win a golf tournament to make money? No. They're set, okay? They're, they're, they're good and set. And I often wonder, you know, if McElroy was, let's say, in the position of, uh, you know, Joaquin Neiman, Mito Pereira, Pat Perez, one of those players that are, they're really good golfers, but they're not, branded in a way you know what i mean they're not like a, a, a global golf name we know about them we see them playing well uh through these events but they're not this like you know you know household name if you want to call it that like tiger woods household name everybody knows him even if you don't play golf you know who tiger woods is and i often wonder if if he was in that position or if tiger woods was in that position and you know their winnings for a season were two million dollars or you know maybe uh, 1.5 million or something like that, which is still a lot of money. But when you're talking about someone who's who signs with Nike for 200 million dollars, you know, 1.5 million for a purse for you know a major event like just this past weekend, the uh, the Farmers uh, Insurance uh, Open there in um, California, I think Max Homa won like 1.56 million for first prize. So. You know, if, if those guys, McElroy and Woods, were in that position, would they necessarily feel the same way about going to live? Making all that, that guaranteed money over on live. You call it guaranteed money, but you're still required. You still are required to play these events. You know, they expect you to be there. 
you still have to play good golf to win big money, you know. $120,000 for these guys who like to fly private, stay in really nice hotels, have these massive mansions, have these, you know, $250,000 uh, private golf club uh, fees that they have to pay for membership dues. I mean, uh, one hundred twenty grand is not going to subsidize all that, guys. So, you know, you sure they've got some help from the sponsors, but they also want to win. They want to gain recognition, and they want to win that big money, you know. Live Golf, they're paying big money for their purses. These aren't even major events, and they're still paying big money. So I would think, personally, if I had a $200 million uh, clothing deal, that I wouldn't necessarily be sweating not winning every major golf event. Or, you know, I'm just saying. So it's, it's kind of easy to say that when you're flush and you're already set and taken care of, but to the guy whose who's winnings for, you know, the 2022 season amounted to, you know, maybe a million dollars, maybe 1.5 million, something like that, it's hard to turn down a deal where Liv's going to offer you a sign-on bonus. Okay, here's $5 million up front, bam. Minimum, you're going to make $120,000 each match if you come in dead last. All right, that's it's hard to walk away from, okay, as as a guarantee. And they it's not guaranteed that they're going to play place dead last all the time. You know, they're going to go up the ranks. They're going to make more money. Plus, they're on the team, so you got the team winnings. That's a no-brainer for a lot of those guys that are just starting out. They don't have the established and recognized name like McElroy or Woods. So I just don't understand the frustration by some of these PGA guys, especially the ones that are big, 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 big earners, not so much through, you know, just their winnings, but through their contract deals and things like that, okay? If you guys would take a step back and think before you sign those major deals, you know, if Live Golf came on, on the scene, would you have considered that? You know, would you have considered moving to a different tour that was saying no cut, big money, sign-on bonuses, fewer events, of course, they're going to have more events in 2023, but uh, just saying, that, that's appealing. Sometimes I feel like these major golfers that, that have these big deals just lose sight of where they came from, you know, where they started at. And I have to wonder, asking them when they first got on the tour, if they would like to join the Live Golf Tour and earn guaranteed money, if they would have said no. You know, if they would have said the same thing they're saying now. I just don't know, but we can speculate. So obviously there's some discord between major PGA Tour players and Live Golf players. And I, I just wonder if this pattern is extending out from beyond just the realm of professional golf. You know, is it extending out into, say, private matters, okay, and private lives with these professional players? And this is where we're going to talk about the potential Cameron Smith ice out. Now, I found out about this after I was reading through and catching up on some of my golf news. Well, there are rumors out there that Cameron Smith is getting iced out when it comes to applying for a private membership at certain golf clubs in Florida. Now, according to an article in Golf Week, the rumors are untrue based off of a person close to Smith. But is this a sign of things to come, you know? There's no doubt that many golfers all over the world feel strongly about live. When you're talking about private golf clubs, which are exclusive by nature, especially at the pro level, is this really anything new? I mean, a private golf membership, you know, $250,000, a quarter of a million dollars is your annual fee. That is a ton of money. So when people are that invested in a golf course, 
there's a lot of, you know, people that want to be heard. There's a lot of people who maybe are playing golf and they're big PGA fans, you know, at the clubhouse uh, when they're not out playing golf or maybe they're waiting for their tee time. What's on? Is it a PGA Tour event? Is it a Live Golf event? How do the members feel about that? You know, especially members that have equity in the course. There are two mem- two types of memberships most often. There's non-equity members and equity members where you actually have a physical stake in the golf course if you're an equity holding member or if you're a non-equity member you just you know you pay your fee and you rock on but you're not really invested in the course so um, when you're talking about you know private clubs at that level maybe there are some people who are saying some influential people for the club that are saying well we don't want to live golfer playing on this course because I don't think that would be good for our members. Now, there's also been some sort of rumor that the PGA is saying uh, to these private courses that, hey, if you allow live golfers to be members, then you are not going to have any type of uh, PGA Tour sponsored event that would ever happen at your course. You know, you can kiss that goodbye. Now, whether or not that's true, That's just speculation, just a rumor. I'm not saying that's true. I'm not saying that they've done that. But some people have said, uh, what if that's a possibility? Now, you know, for playing, now I've played golf for 20 years. I've played at both public and private courses. I've been to professional events. And I can tell you that uh, private courses, it's a whole different ballgame. Now, I've been a guest at a few private courses and, I always get this weird feeling, you know, I didn't grow up playing at private courses. I like public courses. I don't like all the, you know, pomp and circumstances that goes with the uh, private courses. But you always get this feeling like this is so exclusive, you know, and, and I should be honored that I'm a guest at this course. I'm a guest. I'm, I've been allowed to come onto the grounds and play golf, you know, and I hate that feeling of golf. It shouldn't be that way. Golf's a sport for everybody, but private clubs... You know, people pay for that exclusivity. They pay for those nice facilities. And sometimes those people just want to keep that club a certain way. And that may mean excluding professional golfers that have tons of money and can easily pay the membership fee. And, you know, prior to that would probably be a boon to that course to say like, oh, you know, Cam Smith plays here. It's his home course. Uh, You know, I might want to become a member just so I have the opportunity to maybe meet Cam Smith in the locker room or in the clubhouse, you know. Uh, previous to his switch to live golf, that may have been the case. But, you know, you, you've got a lot of those uh, wealthy uh, members at those private clubs that say, I don't want anyone who plays for live to be a, a member at, at this course. You know, maybe that person has a higher um, amount of equity in the course. Maybe he's got more of a stake in the golf club and is more of a say. You know, I don't know how these golf clubs tend to govern, but... Uh, That could be the case. Now, ultimately, I believe this mentality of the us and the them or the them and the us, you know, PGA versus live is it's bad for the sport and it's bad for golf because it does nothing to promote golf. It promotes division amongst golfers, and that's not a good thing. Okay, we need to come together. We need to celebrate the sport of golf, promote the sport of golf, accept and understand different types and formats for the way to play golf, and everybody will be the better for it.
Now, guys, if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a rating or review. I'd really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening, and as always, keep on swinging. Thank you.